<laughs> All right, man. Here okay. we are. Here we are. It's our first episode. This is Hard Times on Film. My name is Nick. And my name is Ray. And uh, hi, everybody. Everybody tuning in to the inaugural episode, the introductory episode, episode zero, Hard Times on Film. This is literally episode zero because we're not going to do any any actual content today. We just want to get through to you, our listener, what our plan is, our schematic for the coming season so that you get a sense of what you're listening to and why you should listen to it for the next year. What this is, is the podcast exploring the films of Charles Bronson and beyond. We're going to celebrate Charles Bronson and his films. We're going to celebrate the collaborations he's had throughout his incredible 50-year career. Charles Bronson started in 1951. He made films until 1999. And there are some really distinct uh, chapters in there. Like he starts off, his name's uh, Charles Baczynski. You know, he's hustling for roles all through the 50s. He's doing TV, war, war movies, westerns. And then in the 60s, he has a bit of a breakthrough. He does some Hollywood films. He, he gets ensemble movies like The Dirty Dozen and The, the Great Escape and uh, Magnificent Seven. Uh, and then he goes to Europe. Uh, he becomes a, a phenomenon all around the world, uh, particularly in Europe and in Asia. And he comes back to America as a megastar. He does Death Wish 1. And then he has like the zenith of his career, in my mind, is the early to mid seventies when he does just a string of fantastic movies in what a lot of people would call the golden era of American cinema. And then he goes into this like early eighties where there's a few quality roles, but then he gets into what I, I love it. You call this kind of Bronson sleazy period in the eighties and then his twilight of the nineties, which are all kind of a real mixed bag. Yeah. He reinvents himself as a, sort of this aging exploitation star, which is a role that, I don't think, like, yeah, I think he stands alone in this genre of old, old exploitation. Maybe we, I don't know what, I don't know what to call it. And then he transitions into made-for-TV, uh, a bunch of made-for-TV movies where he plays sort of the elder statesman or like the police chief or the dad of the of the the cop. Uh, he just manages to reinvent himself over and over again through, like you say, this crazy long career that most people would only dream of. So I'm trying to think how you and I got started with with all this. Like we've been we've been fans and talking about uh, Bronson movies and action movies for as long as I can remember. You and I and Bronson, we go back quite a ways. I remember a, a specific day of you and I sitting in school talking about how we should write Bronson a letter just to thank him for the just his presence in our lives and the, and the influence that he had had on us and the letter just never materialized but we talked about like we need to write this letter because he's getting really old and we want him to read this before um before he passes away and I've, and that and that never happened we sort of lost track of that as a plan but anyways that was the same year uh death wish five comes out and would be the only charles bronson movie that that you and i would see in the theater but I kind of think of that as the, the beginnings of this podcast. So we never wrote that letter, but we're going to finally make good uh, and give this guy what, what he's owed. You know, I remember us, I remember us sitting down and writing that, that letter to Charles Bronson without a, a hint of irony, total enthusiasm. 
you can get that we have a lot of love for this actor and that our enthusiasm is genuine. Uh, we've done a ton of research, watched a lot of movies, and we're hoping that we can get you as excited as we are about Charles Bronson and his films. We have some elements that we're going to carry through for each episode. Every time we review a movie, we're going to do a synopsis for you in 60 seconds or less. We'll time that. Hopefully we can outdo one another each time. And then every episode is going to start with a description of Charles Bronson's entrance. And Ray, why is that so important? Well, Bronson, as like he's got many strengths, but one of them is the, he makes an amazing entrance. Like the moment that Bronson appears in the film on screen for the first time is always a great moment. Can you think of an example of that? Like what's one of your favorites? I think Mr. Majestic has an all-time great, great entrance. Coming uh, out of the men's room. Coming out of the men's room. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th these kinds of moments, you know, um, hard times when he rolls in on the train. Oh, Once Upon a Time in the West. When Bronson enters the screen for the first time in Once Upon a Time in the West, the next two minutes are among the greatest moments in, in the history of cinema, in my mind. Just absolutely astronomically good. But yeah, his presence is his calling card. So his entrance is going to be something that we'll delve into every single episode. Yeah, just a, just a quick overview, though. Like, how would you describe, I have my own thoughts, so how would you describe Bronson's presence? I think so much of what, attracts us to his movies is this quality that's pretty hard to nail down well i think if you think of his roles you know he's always he's a he's a working class man he has a sense of mystery uh, he often plays someone with no name like like in uh once upon a time in the west he's a military man who has skills but you don't know the full story you know, so he has this sort of uh, very 20th century um, masculine quality that I find it really compelling and it's super interesting. And particularly now looking back, it's like, that's a really, really unique color to paint with. Yeah. He, and I think he's one of these, I agree. And I think he's one of these actors that you just can't take your eyes off when he's on the screen. Like in all the ensemble movies you're talking about, you know, there's like eight other guys you know, there's 11 other guys in the Dirty Dozen, but whenever Bronson's on screen, like you're only, I don't know, you're just drawn to him. And I was trying to think of other actors like that. And I think he gets really underappreciated for this quality. Like I would put Bronson up there with guys like, you know, like Clark Gable or Humphrey Bogart, like classic guys that there's no way they're in the scene and you're not looking at them. Like he's got that quality. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And you know what else? Like he, he's someone who got typecast pretty hard, um, which isn't such a bad thing in some ways because he ended up doing a lot of great action movies and playing a, a character over and over again that, that I love, but uh, he had chops. Like he was a good actor and, and given lines, he always delivered well. Uh, you hear him in interviews. He's a really well-read, well-spoken, uh, intelligent guy. And um yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder what it would have been like if if Bronson was given more freedom as an actor to to try different roles. Uh, the other thing, though, about him that you know maybe uh, echoes what you're saying is he, his physical presence was extraordinary. Like this is a guy who looked like an absolute statue from the time he he hit the screen in the early '50s until he was about 75 years old. Like he was a uh, an absolute uh, physical specimen. You start to appreciate it the older you get. This guy was in 
in crazy shape. Apparently he smoked a pack a day, but he also did about a hundred <laughs> pushups and uh, cli- climbed up and down ropes. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, like, I remember again, like, we're like 19 years old when we're going to watch the, these movies or renting these movies. And I remember he made being old, cool. Like he made being an old man, cool. Like we, we were 19 year old guys. We're like, wow, I wish I was like that 60 year old man. And we, we like kind of walk around like, um, and stuff like that. Yeah. We bought like, uh, you know, black polyester pants and stuff. <laughs> like wide ties. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's another thing. So he had a bit of a, he was a bit of a fashion icon too, especially in the seventies. Mm-hmm. He was a one person bridge between, you know, cold war, Eastern Europe, um, or even just European culture in general, and then American working class styles, you know, of the seventies. So we'll talk about that in every movie. We're also obviously going to talk about the action. Yeah. This is old school action right? This isn't CGI. Like I said, no. you're going to see a 73 year old Bronson in death wish five doing a drop kick on a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a lot of like the actions. You got car chases, close range gunplay. <laughs> it's really like, yeah. Holdover from, from older kind of, you know, noir movie sort of action, but, but a lot of it with that seventies level of of excitement yeah he has a you know a lot of collaborations uh with some of the biggest stars in the late half of the 20th century um he does some amazing movies with people like sergio leone uh you know some of the most celebrated directors in in the history of cinema so yeah he's definitely somebody who's worth uh exploring even just in the historical sense but I find it great that you often also like to categorize his movies through the lens of, of the Jill Ireland factor. And can you explain that for us? Well, we're going to rate these movies as we, as we go through them, right? Like they're, they're pros and cons and, and you can't talk about uh, Bronson, the man or the actor without talking about um, his wife, Jill Ireland, because she plays such a huge role in, in his life. Like if you read about him, but then also in so many of his films, um, they traveled as a family and there was always a part for Jill in the movie. And, and, you know, so she influences in a big way, like how good uh, some of the movies are. And uh, she's, she can be a bit of a wild card in reviewing uh, a Bronson movie. She puts in some great, great performances, and then she makes some weird choices <laughs> along the way in some other flicks too. Yeah, Jill Ireland's an interesting person. You know, she died so young, and she wrote a great book. I mean, it's it's uh, relatively uh, it's an interesting book. Um, I think it's called Life Wish, and it talks a lot about their relationship, their family, and her struggle with cancer. Yeah, she's not someone who you know, delivers an incredible performance every film, but she is in a lot of Charles Bronson movies. So yeah, we will definitely be talking about Jill Ireland. So we'll talk about Jill, but uh, who who else might we talk about? We introduced this podcast. It is the films of Charles Bronson and beyond. So we might, you know, step outside talking about strictly Charles Bronson movies uh, now and again, although he will remain certainly the focus of each season. But uh, if there were some other names you were to throw out about, you know, the, if we were to throw somebody else in, what, what, who would you say? 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I could see us talking about a lot of different stars, like even just co-stars that that shared the screen with Bronson. But some of my favorites, you know, from from the era that we're talking about, Steve McQueen, uh, certainly Lee Marvin, you know, he's one of one of my favorites. He's he's a he's an actor. I think he could categorize in a very similar fashion to Charles Bronson, uh, you know, Lee Van Cleef, Sidney Poitier. I love Fuel Brenner in the 70s, did some great movies. So did Charlton Heston. I know you're a big fan. Mm-hmm. There's some actors, you you see them in so many films. Like you look through the IMDb or the Wikipedia posts about these films and you look through the actors and then you, you click on them and you realize, wow, their careers were gigantic, massive careers. And you start looking, you're like, I saw half of these movies and did not realize that this person was in all of them. So I'd like to, I'd like us to, to look into some of those actors who are real mainstays, but that people may not always think of first when they, when they think of the movie that they're, that they're in. Yeah. Bronson often had a great supporting cast in, in a lot of the movies that he, that he's in. And it's filled with guys where you're like that guy, that where was that guy from, you know, like, and you can't quite place it. And then, like you said, yeah, I, I'm always IMDb while I watch these movies and you, yeah, you just scroll through the crew. The guy's been working since the forties, you know, and they had massive careers in their, in their own right. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're going to work through how we structure these things. We'll do a bunch of Bronson movies and then maybe we'll throw in one, maybe there'll be one movie in a season or something that uh, features another one. I know Reynolds is another guy we might uh, talk about. Yeah. Reynolds for sure. Uh, John Voight, maybe uh, somebody else from Deliverance. Uh, anybody from the original Longest Yard is probably worth an episode. Another element that I think I'm excited about that all of our podcast episodes will have is Ray's big idea and Nick's big idea. And that's where we look at some of the thinking that might have been going on behind the scenes when the movie was made. Uh, We take a look back from 30, 40, 50 years vantage point and think of ourselves, you know, in the 70s or 80s watching this movie compared to now and what's changed uh, were there any grand ideas they were trying to share or big messages they were trying to get across? Were they successful? So we're going to share what we think the big idea is behind each of the movies that we review. And then another really, I think, creative element that we'll have in each of our episodes is Ray's taken on the responsibility of tracking down any book that was associated with the film that we're reviewing. So Ray will read it and then he'll provide a, a quick review um, and some takeaways. So tell us about that, Ray. Yeah, so we're going to have Bronson's Book Corner is going to be a regular uh, segment. We're going to have to figure out some music for it, too, maybe. Uh, you know, so a good intro. But yeah, I've got myself a spreadsheet on which I have outlined all the books related to every movie that Bronson made. And there are periods in his career where literally for years, every single movie is based on a book or in a few, a few cases has a a novelization, but I would probably say three quarters of the man's movies uh, have a book connected to them. So I just, uh, for fun for myself, but then also some value added to the uh, listener. I'm going to try to read as many of these as I can. And yeah, just give us a different perspective on on the material. And and a bunch of these Bronson chose himself, actually, like books that he, you know, optioned or bought the rights to. 
Interesting. Yeah. So Bronson's book corner uh, is an element that you can look forward to. Another one is the review roundup. And that's where Ray and I just uh, surf the internet, randomly choose a couple of reviews that have been posted over the last 30 years on message boards or on IMDb. Just a really good review of one of these movies that we'll be looking at and a really terrible review. So if, so if you were somebody that was in the habit of uh, reviewing uh, Bronson DVDs on Amazon in 1994, there's every possibility that you'll hear your review read right here on the podcast. And so, yeah, you've got that to look forward to. Sure. So yeah, we're going to review these every time too. And I got this idea that every every film has some unique quality to it. Either it's a, some special item or some uh, some strange thing the the actors the characters are saying in the film, so we'll review based at you know on, at a five or at a ten of whatever that thing is each film. So you know it might be like uh, Bronson's squeezing a wax ball in in the uh, in the mechanic, right? So we'll have um, we'll have five out of five wax balls. I'm giving the mechanic five wax balls right now. We haven't even we haven't even watched it again yet, but I I'm predicting my rating on that one. Um, I think the only thing left really to talk about, Nick, is we know our love for this, you know. But what do we hope to accomplish with this podcast? Why does the world need hard times on film right now? Well, in my mind, I think it's because people have lost sight of why these films are great and they've looked back at them dismissively or ascribed some sense of irony or nostalgia that's unnecessary and maybe does a disservice to the movies that we're talking about. So there's artistry in these films. There's life, there's poetry, there's creativity, there's genius in these movies. Um, there's adrenaline, there's spectacle. Um, and there's Sometimes you're repulsed by what you see. You know, there's reminders of of maybe forgotten ideologies or or a different way of thinking about the world, and I think it's worth talking about it from all sorts of perspectives. From an entertainment perspective, there's some great action movies where people get blown up and in the most dramatic and and hilarious way. Yeah, right. But there's also style. There's the love interests. There's the ridiculous. There's all sorts of uh, reasons to to fall in love with these movies and. And we're we're well indoctrinated in it. Uh, we love Charles Bronson, and all of our knowledge about it, all of our enthusiasm, I think, is is worth maybe uh, passing along. So that's what our that's what my hope is anyway. What what about you? What do you think about that, Ray? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, some of these movies are are so hard to find right now. I know in us just preparing for the podcast, uh, you've got to go down a rabbit hole to even dig up some of these films like Practically Lost. And in, and in this age of, you know, streaming services buying up a bunch of stuff and then and then that's all the options that you've got. And if nobody's streaming this thing, you know, you can't find it at all. You know, I want to just help alert people to to these movies you're absolutely right and to bronson as a positive uh, force in their lives as he's been for us you know i like it i like it uh he's definitely been a positive influence for me and uh, i'm hoping for the listener uh, over the coming uh season uh you're listening to hard times on film my name's nick and this is ray and uh ray I, do you have anything else i just one question for you Thinking ahead to all the movies we're going to watch. We got a lot of amazing movies to watch. What's one movie that you are just can't wait to watch again? And what's one Bronson movie that you haven't seen? 
Wow, great questions. Uh, I would say that you know a, a movie that I'm really looking forward to seeing again is Stone Killer. Yeah, I haven't seen it in probably 30 years, and uh, it's such cool style. I think it's a Dino De Laurentiis movie, and it's uh, you know so it's just it's all very 70s in its fashion and the action scenes. Um, I'm also you know I'm embarrassed to say, but I've never seen Chato's Land, so that's one I'd I'd love to I'd love to watch. That's I, I believe the, the review I read not too long ago is that, you know, Bronson says very little. He has a few lines of dialogue, which is always a recipe for success in my opinion, mm-hmm. not specifically with Bronson, but for any, any decent action movie uh, can get sunk pretty fast with a bad story and bad lines. But yeah, so Chato's land has that. And it has the fact that Bronson's shirtless the entire mm. movie and he's in, you know, unbelievable physical condition for this one so yeah those are my two picks how about you ray what do you think yeah myself i was thinking of this i can't wait to watch chino again because that is one i have vivid memories of us watching together and i've watched many many times since and it is it's probably one of my favorite bronson movies as well um and a movie i've never seen i've never seen telephone no kidding that's one yeah, no, that's one that I've ne- that's one I've never seen. So you know what I always remember about Telephone is seeing it on the shelf at the video store, and it had this super cool uh, design. Like the poster design was Bronson holding this telephone, like a painting of his arm reaching out with this telephone that's exploding, and that's pretty great. What orders they give you? To follow your orders blindly without question, if necessary, to the death. Do me a favor and don't be so damn cheerful. All right, everybody. Thanks very much. This has been our first episode, episode zero. Uh, Come back every couple of weeks. We're going to have content delving into the films of Charles Bronson and beyond. For Hard Times on Film, my name is Nick. My name's Ray. And we'll talk to you soon. And please uh, tell your friends, tell your family, subscribe. and uh, Co-workers. Co-workers. Children. Uh, uh, fellow inmates. Uh, other people <laughs> other people in the library. Whatever it is, let your friends and, and uh, neighbors know. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.